Welcome into College Football Live. We're coming out of the tunnel with this. Sam Hartman looking right at home in Dublin and right at home in this Notre Dame offense. Our Sam Acho tells us if game one was a preview of what is to come this season for the Irish. Plus, can we get an encore? Caleb Williams giving us more, but it is not just him. The superstar wide receiver Tom Luganbill says you should have seen coming. And the ACC gets five straight days of football this weekend, but could they be getting more teams in the conference in the future as well. Pete Thamel has more. It's all ahead on College Football Live. Welcome into College Football Live alongside Sam Macho, Tom Luganville, I'm Kelsey Riggs. Great to be with you. And before we get to my great teammates, we got to talk about two elite players that we saw this weekend. But you guys, only one man can sum up what we saw. Hartman feeling the pressure, evades. Now he's going to run it. They're what we thought they were. No, he's going to throw it wow. wide open. Touchdown, second of the day. They are who we thought they were. The late, great Dennis Green, <laughs> former Cardinals coach, letting the media have it. They are who we thought they were. And I think it is safe to say that about those guys. Tom, probably one of the, the better post-game press conferences there. Oh, absolutely. One of, that's an all-time classic. Whenever you hear it, you know exactly who said it. You know exactly who said it. <laughs> All right, let's dive a little bit deeper into exactly what we saw. And let's start with Sam Hartman because there were some questions about what would he look like in this offense, obviously different than what he played at Notre, uh, at Wake Forest, rather. Was 9 of 23 for 251 yards and four touchdowns. Had a nearly 83% completion rating. And look at this, the four touchdowns he threw in Saturday's win against Navy tied the most by a Notre Dame player in their team debut joining Jack Cohn in 2021 and Ron Paulus back in 1994. Dating back to last season, he's thrown three touchdowns in five straight games, the longest active streak in FBS. I've got to come to went all in on the Irish and dressed like a leprechaun for us today. We appreciate we appreciate the love there. With all, got the goal with all the green. Look at you. You're ready to go. So, so, Acho, what did you think about what we saw from Sam Hartman? Did he answer your questions about what he'll look like in a different offense? Notre Dame was exactly what we thought they were going to be, at least from the Sam Hartman perspective. I got a chance to not only know his stats, right? 77 touchdowns, almost 8,000 yards over the last two years, but I got a chance to spend time with him just a few months ago during their offseason program. And you could see the entire team rally behind him. Why does that matter? Because of throws like what you just saw on your screen to Jaden Greathouse, the true freshman out of Austin Westlake. I mean, Sam Hartman has pocket presence. Those throws. Other Notre Dame quarterbacks weren't making over the past several years. And so, yes, I get it. It's just Navy. But you see throws like that. You see pocket presence like that. You see awareness like that. And, oh, by the way, you see leadership, the team rallying around him like that. It gets you excited for the new level of offense that Notre Dame can have to combine with their defensive prowess. You know, Sam, I don't know why anybody's surprised by this. The, the guy is eligible for Social Security. I mean, he started 45 <laughs> games, okay? He started 45 games at Wake Forest. What has this guy not seen? 
What pressure package, what coverage package has this guy not seen? And then I would also add that with this offensive line, this stable of running backs, he's got better players around him than he did at Wake outside of the wide receiver position. I actually think he had better targets at Wake Forest at wide receiver. But guess what? If you're going to be able to run the football like this, you're going to see a lot of single high safety and a lot of one-on-ones on the outside because somebody's going to have to figure out a way to contend with this offensive line in this run game that's going to be a problem. So, yeah, Sam was at, as advertised. He should have been. But to your point, Tom, a lot of people didn't actually believe that Sam Hartman would be able to operate in a different type of offense. Remember the last several years, he was in what we call the claw fence, that slow mesh offense, which put <laughs> defenses in binds. This is a very different type of offense. I mean, just on this is this is Monday last week, Thursday, Kelsey and I were doing a show with Pete Thamel and there were some and, and Dusty Dvorak and people were saying, man, what is he going to look like and how will he look in this new pro style offense? He was better than advertised. And so to, to, to my point, to your mm -hmm. point, to the people who believes point, I think we saw something that we didn't know we were going to see in his offensive performance combined, as you just mentioned, with the running game led by Audric Estime. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I don't think that we can say enough of what we saw. I think is exactly what we expected. Luke, you mentioned it. We've seen it at Wake Forest. It looks different now in this Notre Dame offense. And Luke, you also mentioned the pieces look different. I agree with the wide receivers at Wake Forest, elite wide receivers there. Who else is going to help Sam Hartman in this offense go at Notre Dame, especially in the running back room? Well, listen, I think the one thing that we saw, and, you know, you, you say Edric Ostomay, but they've got really three-headed monster at running back. And when they're starting to play under center a lot more than Sam Hartman ever has, the play-action game sets up so nicely. And I think, I think that's where Sam Hartman can really flourish. Um, let, let's not forget the, the slow mess thing that he went through the last five years at Wake Forest and that offensive scheme you are used to having a lot of people around you in the pocket. Sam, you'll remember when they, you know, they run that slow mesh up. You're about a yard from the line of scrimmage. You're used to having people flying by and having to stand in there and keep your eyes downfield. Now, being able to play under center, have the inside zone, the outside stretch, and come off a of play action, all they're going to do is create one-on-one -on -one opportunities. So it is about the run game. And oh, by the way, that is a much better defense than anything Wake Forest had been playing with the last couple of years. So guess what? They're probably going to have a lot more possessions. And to your point, Tom, about the pieces around Sam Hartman, yes, it's the running attack, but it, don't forget his star left tackle, Joe Alt. I've been waiting to say control, Alt, yep. delete, because he's going to delete every <laughs> defender that comes to him. He's the top 15 NFL draft prospect. His dad played for over 12 years in the NFL, probably even longer. Maybe it's closer to 15 years in the NFL. I got a chance to spend time with him as well. So talk about leadership from the quarterback position, but also like the, the, not just the offensive linemen. The entire team rallies around Joe Alt and his personality. So you're starting left tackle, you're starting quarterback, and then Audric Estime, the 5'11", 230-pound, just like muscle, ball of muscle running through people. You have a lot of pieces on this offense that will be, that should be hard for offenses to stop, defenses to stop as long as your receivers continue to play at a high level. The other thing that's going to be really interesting with Sam Hartman is he's seen a lot of these defenses in the ACC in those 34 years that you mentioned that he's been in college, Luke. So going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Let's get to another guy who is who we thought he was, and that is Kayla Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Fifth career game at USC with four passing touchdowns, no interceptions. It was a 56-28 to 28 win for him over San Jose State. So, 
Sam Acho, I want to come to you on this one because you said last week one of the things that he could do to continue to improve is not make costly mistakes, make good decisions. What did you think about the decision-making that we saw from him in this game? I loved it, but only because it was Caleb Williams. There was that first touchdown that he threw where there was a bot snap. The ball was fumbled. It was a low snap. And most quarterbacks, some quarterbacks would have tried to fall on the ball. Others would have thrown it away. Caleb Williams had the wherewithal not only to pick up the ball, but find his receiver down the field and throw a 70-yard bomb for a touchdown. That's what makes Caleb Williams great. He has supreme confidence in his abilities, but also supreme confidence in the ability of his playmaking wide receivers. Now, that could prove costly when you get overconfident, but I don't think there's a level of overconfidence for Caleb's because he's just that good. I think he's an ap- an absolute magician, guys. I mean, I, I when when what yeah. he's able to do with the instinctive athleticism. Um, we just saw a clip right there where he just kind of slowly backed away from a free rush off the edge, changed his arm angle to get the ball out, and then everything he does is decisive, anticipatory, right? So it's very difficult to get a direct shot on him because he's going to get the ball out of his hands. And when you do get near him, his ability to create with his feet on his own and extend plays has everybody in the stadium holding their breath. I I just think he's an absolute difference maker. He's definitely a difference maker. And that botched snap that you guys mentioned and then all of a sudden gets it off, turns it to a pass. Pretty (laughs) impressive stuff from him. I mean, I was just sitting there like, week zero, we're doing this already. Good stuff from him, Lukes. It wasn't just him that had my jaw on the ground after that play, though. There's another player you've been trying to tell people to get ready for this freshman. What did you like about what we saw from Zachariah Branch, and why did you know he was special? Well, he number one, he, he was moving at a pace that made everybody else look like they were in quicksand. He I mean, did, yeah. he was just absolutely, he looked like a human blur on the tape. His ability to get from zero to 60 is unbelievable. He's a 10, 300 meter guy. He's extremely mature. Our staff went back and forth about him in last year's class because he doesn't have ideal measurables. If there's one thing you're going to say, well, I wish he had this, you'd say, I wish he was a little bit taller, okay? But at the end of the day, you, 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 you sit there and say, well, all of the other stuff is so good and it is so elite. I'll say something right here, and I, and I truly mean this. Outside of Caleb Williams, he might be the best football player they have on that team. I mean, he's, he changes the way you defend the field. He changes the kicking game. He flips field position, and he can score in the blink of an eye. First player for USC with a receiving touchdown and a kickoff return touchdown in a single game since 2016. And he is just a freshman getting started and already high praise from you. Let's flip over to maybe something that is, I think, not going to get quite as high praise because you're going to talk about they are who we said they were. Is that also true, you guys, for USC's defense? We talked about it a little bit last week in this offseason. We know what happened last year. Last year, it was uh, it was tough for them on this year, not as much better Saturday. Stopping the run in particular, a struggle. The Trojans allowed 7.3 yards per carry, and they allowed 5 yards per carry last season. Lugs, do we, did we get what we thought we were getting, or is it just getting started and it's going to get better for this USC defense? I, I, to be honest with you, I wish it was going to be different, but we saw pretty much of the same from what we saw a year ago. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of alarming because they're so good on offense, but there's no balance within the roster. SC, to make a college football playoff, doesn't have to be an elite team on defense. Just be a competent one. Be a competent one. And, I, and that's, that's what it's all about. So, to me, uh, I, I do think it's concerning. Poor tackling once again. 
Uh, we saw it all year long. And, and I said this all throughout the month of August on this program, too. Keep in mind, ST last year was plus 22 in turnover margin. They're not going to duplicate that again this year. And that's going to be problematic as well. So, Sam, I don't really know what the answer is here. But just a competent level of defense puts them in the national title conversation. But that's not where they are as a football team right now. Yeah, I played in college for Will Muschamp. He was my defensive coordinator. He's been the co-defensive coordinator at Georgia for the last several years, right? That vaunted Georgia number one defense over and over again. He's the brains behind that defense. He and many other coordinators would talk about building a fence. Like, that's what you want to do as a defense, right? You all play as one unit, not individuals, but playing as one. And when you watch this USC defense, uh, you don't see them playing as a unit. You see one guy making a play, but then another guy outside of his gap. You see one guy winning his one-on-one, -on -one, then another player who doesn't keep contained. And so you also see one player having good leverage and then him not trusting his other teammate to keep his leverage on the inside versus on the outside. So what that means is when there comes a tackling situation, it doesn't have to always be a one-on-one. -on -one. You can actually communicate with your teammates, stay in your gap, stay outside, keep contained. And that's what we're not seeing with this USC's defense. And so they are as advertised, and advertisement was very, very low. Well, as I'm looking at their schedules, got Nevada, Stanford, ASU, Colorado, and Arizona before they play Notre Dame. Maybe a little bit of time to figure things out and settle things in on defense before they get some more of those elite offenses that they will see later on in the season. More to come here on College Football Live on the other side of this break. Pete Thamel joins us because we are talking ACC expansion again. What could be next? for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Pete Thamel has the latest. Plus, welcome back, college football, from monumental moments to accidental trick plays. Can we call it that? It's a segment we're calling That's So College Football. We are getting ready for game day in college football season and potentially getting ready for another shakeup and alignments. Pete Thamel reported last week the ACC once again seriously considering adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. ESPN senior college football writer and insider Pete Thamel is with us now. Pete, before we get to that, I also want to, to let everyone know something else. The police at the University of North Carolina have recently released a statement saying there's an armed and dangerous person on or near campus. So certainly our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone at North Carolina. Safety is really the big picture for anyone right now that is on that campus and I'm sure impacts some of what you're reporting. So what can you tell us what you know in both regards? Yeah, Kelsey, a couple of an hours ago, uh, there was a meeting tentatively set for tonight for the ACC presidents to get on a call. Um, they're obviously going to discuss and potentially vote upon the additions of Cal Stanford and SMU to the ACC. There's still some ambiguity, Kelsey, of whether or not uh, one of the four no votes in the straw poll will flip to give the 12 of 15 supermajority needed to, to make the additions. Uh, a lot of the focus today from my sources had been on NC State, whether they could flip, whether politically, if UNC did not flip, uh, North Carolina State could go without them. Uh, there's obviously uh, a thicket of political complication when it comes to high-end realignment and the millions of dollars at stake. Uh, that said, calling around the last hour or two, the, the news of the, the shooter at UNC emerged. So it wouldn't shock me, just from a human level, if there is some kind of pause or maybe delay in this. Obviously, that's going to be the priority of the ACC, and that's going to be the priority on campus at North Carolina to make sure everything uh, happens there throughout that, that very scary situation. But the overall tenor from a pure ACC, perspective tonight, Kelsey, is 
was an expectation that these schools could be added when the presidents do meet. But there's still some ambiguity how the ACC is going to get there. Just talked to within the last hour and that doesn't get called if they don't have an end result there. But no one quite knows how that end result is going to get there. All right, Pete, we will continue to keep an eye on that. And, of course, everything happening at North Carolina, we wish everyone their safety, health, and hopefully um, they're able to, to get some answers on what's going on there soon. Pete Thamel, we appreciate it. All right, let's take a look back now at week one and talk about some week zero, rather. I'm already fast forwarding ahead. Let's talk about things that are so college football like this. Sometimes you get some big moments. Sometimes you get some crazy things. How about Vandy? After a 90-minute delay due to storms, they're doing $300 million worth of athletic renovations. The sign just blowing in the wind as they are trying to get that billboard under construction. That wasn't the only thing that was... So college football, how about this? Excuse me, Mr. Referee, San Diego State, Ohio. He's just getting warmed up too. Ooh, you know that one hurt. Took that one right to the face. You know, it takes a little while for the refs to get into it as well. He was right, right in that shot. How about this? Shout out to New Mexico State quarterback, Diego Pavia. Helmet backwards, still makes the pass. I don't know how you even do that. From backwards. Pretty impressive stuff. Also need to give a shout out to Tyson Pumachan at UMass. They snapped a 24-game road losing streak. He transferred in from Clemson. This team hadn't won a season opener on the road since 1973. He overcame an Achilles injury in the past, you guys. There are lots of fun moments already in week zero. Acho for you. Favorite moment. Was it any of those? Was it something else? What you got? Well, no, it was one of Sam Hartman's first touchdown passes. It was that pass down the middle to Jaden Greathouse. Put it this way, if your name was Jaden uh, in that game, you scored a touchdown. Jaden Thomas had one, Greathouse had two, and answered the questions at receiver for Notre Dame. Lugs? Uh, mine was Pavia, the New Mexico State quarterback, because what cracked me up so badly about that was, why would you throw that football? You can't see anything. Like, your head just got twisted around. Just slide, take an ego down. He throws the ball. Oh, my God, what are you doing? Yeah, it's like being blindfolded, and he's still letting it fly. You never know what's going to happen. It, it worked out. I would not suggest <laughs> kids try that at home in the backyard if, it, if something happens and it turns around. Guys, we're going to have a lot more moments this time next week because week one is coming. We will take a deep dive into some of the matchups and what you need to know as we get ready for the very first full weekend of college football. A kickoff rematch. A cross-conference showdown to start the season. Not your average season opener. Florida, Utah, Thursday, August 31st on ESPN. Utah going to be out for revenge Thursday when it comes, when Florida comes to town. And the Utes lost by three last year in the swamp. LSU can relate. The Tigers lost a heartbreaker to Florida State on a blocked extra point in last season's opener in college game day. Going to be in Charlotte for a battle of the Carolinas. Some really great games on the slate for this weekend. So, Lugs, what is it that's catching your attention in week one? Uh, just who's going to emerge at quarterback for some of the blue blood marquee programs we have, whether it's Alabama, whether it's Ohio State, how's Joe Milton play at Tennessee, 
What do we see out of Cade Klubnick at Clemson? But I think the one that intrigues me the most is Alabama because they have a multitude of guys that they can play. And I think just because Nick Saban's going to name a guy that will start the opener, that doesn't mean he's going to be the starter. That person's then going to have to go out and prove that they will be the starter by performance on the field. So we have so many good programs with really, really good players. I didn't even mention Georgia and Carson Beck. But I think watching the quarterback position unfold in the first month is going to be awesome. And I'm excited. I love how you said first month because I don't think week one is going to show who some of those starters are going to be. We heard Nick Saban say that the competition is just beginning in week one. We may see what we yep. saw from Michigan last year, the Cade McNamara versus J.J. McCarthy alternating starts in week one, week two, finally naming a starter in week three. But what I'm most excited about is the beginning of the coach prime era, Colorado traveling to TCU to go play the team that just played in the national championship. Remember in this game last year, these two these two teams played, and Chandler Morris was a starting quarterback. Well, he goes down, and then Max Duggan gets in and starts his Heisman run and starts leading this team to the playoff. And so who's going to be the next TCU? Will TCU double down on what they did last year? Will Colorado come and show us something that we didn't think we were going to see? I'm excited about that matchup, but more importantly, the over the course of week one, what teams are going to emerge to be the teams that we didn't know we were going to talk about? I'm excited about five straight days of college football, starting on Thursday, going all the way through Labor Day on Monday. Luke, you'll be on the call for that Monday game between Clemson and Duke. Also really looking forward to Florida State, LSU. We get to see Brian Kelly, Mike Norvell going head-to-head -head again. And we will be back with you to break more of it down tomorrow. Same time, same place. And I'll see you two guys two days from now, Desmond Howard, as well as Greg McElroy with me tomorrow. We'll see you next time on College Football Live.